The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, <clears throat> good morning and uh, welcome to our Dharma Practice Day series for this year. And... Um, For those of you who might be new to these Dharma practice days, um, they're meant to be uh, a way to explore the Dharma, explore Buddhist practice uh, through a variety of ways, experiential ways, um, that's different than only meditating by oneself. Classically, a lot of uh, Buddhist practice uh, doesn't occur alone, but happens in community with other people. In the monasteries, the monks and nuns are often living together, engaged in each other. And there's often uh, lots of opportunities for Dharma discussion. Uh, the abbot or abbess of the monastery will give a talk. And then the next few days, the residents of the monastery are talking about it. You know, what, what did she say? And what did she mean? And how was it for you? And, and, um, and sometimes the conversations be quite deep and sometimes, you know, going way well into the night. And... Um, <clears throat> And so the Dharma practice days are kind of designed to be a play to practice together in community and to have a variety of ways together to explore uh, some topics. So sometimes there'll be guided meditations, sometimes uh, other exercises. Uh, A fair amount of the time will also be spent having some opportunity to explore some topic uh, amongst yourselves. Sometimes we'll break into small groups, sometimes um, larger groups, sometimes uh, you'll pair up with someone else and uh, sometimes to do an exercise with someone else, or sometimes, more often, to have some kind of um, focused discussion around the topic. And um, sometimes the way the discussions are set up is so that it's really a practice opportunity. It's not like an ordinary conversation, but rather it's kind of structured in a way that allows some depth of uh, exploration. And um, some people who are new to this kind of way of being in conversation with other people uh, especially perhaps if you're introverted, um, uh, will kind of feel a little bit hesitant to do this. And, um, and occasionally people want to bolt. But um, uh, what I've, what we've seen, what, over the years that we've done this, um, people who do it regularly come to really appreciate it and come to really value the, the, the time together, the discussions we have, and there's a kind of a relaxation or opening or a willingness to do it that helps kind of open up deeper and deeper. And so if you're one of those who are kind of hesitant to do this today, um, you're in good company. And, uh, and if you engage in it, chances are you'll find great value in this kind of activity. Most people, or almost everyone I say, who are hesitant find afterwards they're glad they did it. And the topic of uh, this, this series this year is what's called in Buddhism the Brahma-viharas, um, sometimes translated as the abodes, vihara, of the Brahma-gods. And, um, and it's the abode of the Brahma-gods because these, this, this realm of you know, cosmology and Buddhism, mythology, whatever, the Brahmas have no, no animosity towards anyone. Their minds dwell in a certain kind of peace where what they have is um, f- the four kinds of love that Buddhism identifies. 
In fact, you go to Thailand, sometimes you see statues of the god Brahma, and uh, he has four heads or four faces on his head. one head, but four faces, one for each form of love, um, and a little bit of expression in each one. Um, uh, I think that the, the forward expression is that of loving kindness, and then the other three are the other three love, which is compassion, appreciative joy, and a certain kind of equanimity. So when you dwell with these kinds of love uh, strongly, then you dwell as you would be if you were in the Brahma heavens, if you got reborn there and you had just this kind of peaceful, radiant, loving mind. Sometimes it's called the four uh, boundless abodes because when these qualities of love are strongly developed, they have a boundless quality to them, a boundless radiance. There's no feeling of no limitation to how this love flows forward. These are considered to be um, very useful practices to cultivate, useful states to develop, useful attitudes to have as we go through our lives. And so it becomes very important in Buddhism for practitioners to appreciate the value of these, learn to recognize them when they happen in our lives, and learn also how to cultivate them, strengthen them, and make them more accessible to us in different times. So there are practices that are used to practice these and develop these there's meditation practices associated with them. And so in the course of this uh, year, over the next, I guess, eight months, uh, on these Fridays, we'll, we'll be focusing on these. Uh, today will be more introduction and a beginning with the loving kindness. And then uh, uh, next time in October will be another day on loving kindness. And then we'll have two days on compassion, two days on appreciative joy, and two days on equanimity. And uh, so we'll ex- practice with them, explore them, in different ways. There'll be meditation practices with them. And, um, and I hope that uh, as we go through this, you find them uh, meaningful, that they kind of deepen your own practice, your own spirituality, your own way of being in the world in a wise way. I do hope that uh, you're appropriately challenged by these, that if it was only easy and wonderful and loving and you floated on a cloud, I'd be a little bit worried. <clears throat> Uh, that uh, part, of the, part of what happens when we practice these is we also get challenged in the places, hopefully challenged, in the places where we don't feel this way, where we feel, you know, defensive or, or, or we feel tight or protective or something. So we get to, uh, not to uh, feel bad about ourselves because of it, but rather we get to question it and look at it and work with it and seeing if, if those parts of our life can somehow be resolved or settled or opened up or questioned, is it necessary to be this way? And so part of the function of this practice is to actually help us look at the places where the opposite is happening as a way of maybe opening up and looking at it more deeply, questioning it. The, um, <clears throat> so that's kind of the kind of general introduction. Um, and the, these Dharma practice days, the lunchtime is... Uh, uh, you know, in one-day sittings, we usually keep the day, the day in silence. Here we do a lot of talking, and so lunchtime is the time for you can talk to other people. We set up tables and stuff. And if you're at all inclined to bring lunch and, um, and talk with people, uh, then uh, this is a great opportunity to meet people and develop community, continue the top topics of the, of the sessions, or just talk with people who are other practitioners, hang out. If you'd rather be quiet, you can go off on your own little bit. Um, and, um, but I would encourage you, if, uh, if you come to these, to bring a lunch with you so you don't have to go out and get one. So you can kind of be here and, and, and uh, start cultivating a little bit 
dharma friendships, dharma com- companionship with other people who are practicing. If you're new here, uh, I hope you can hear. Uh, if you can't hear, let me know. We'll turn up the volume. Or we have these hearing assistant devices out there that you can, um, in the box on the cabinet there, and you can use those to help you um, <clears throat> to hear better. Um, so in terms of logistics of how the day goes, what's going to happen here, um, do you have any questions, anything you'd like to know? Are you the manager? Do we have a manager? We don't. You are a guest, sir? Are you willing to be? Usually we have a manager for these days. And, and what? It's ad hoc. Ad hoc. And, and so a few, there's a lot of people here who you know, are regular members of IMC. So, but Kim, Kim there, you can, if you have any questions about anything in the course of the day, you can talk to Kim. So, Kim, okay? So, um... Um, so the other thing I'd like to say before we do a little meditation is that um, in our tradition of Buddhism in Theravadan Buddhism the foundation for these four kinds, kinds of love is loving kindness or metta goodwill and the others are seen as variations on this foundational one so loving kindness is often the one that's cultivated first and it's often um, cultivated, uh, there's also a part of the tradition of cultivating loving-kindness first is to begin with having loving-kindness, goodwill, friendliness towards yourself. And the reason that's given is that, um, is that you have to, it's help, it helps to first wish well towards oneself, to have uh, well-wishing to oneself, to feel a genuine and healthy sense of it would be nice to be happy yourself. That we be uh, wishing happiness to yourself is a. Um, I mean, it can be selfish, but it can be also be a, a very beautiful and um, uh, important quality. Buddhism kind of feels that everyone wants to be happy, and this desire to be happy and to know that you have the potential to be happy, to know that you have the healthy potential to wish yourself happiness, to have some some acknowledgement, recognition that it's a potential you have. Is, is something we remind ourselves of, we get established in, in a strong enough way so we can use ourself as a reference point for offering this love to other people. Because other people are just like you. They also want to be happy. They also have the potential for happiness. And rather than having that understanding being abstract or theoretical, you have a visceral, personal reference point for that so it's easier, perhaps, to imagine yourself in their shoes. Just like me, they want to be happy. Just like me, they have the potential for being happier and being happy. And so it's said in the tradition that doing that comparison, using that reference point or yourself, then makes it a little easier to begin extending your sense of love to other people. And so that's kind of... Um, so we'll explore that at some point this morning, that whole question of issue of wishing, well-wishing for yourself. So with that, if it's, um, I thought we would do a, a little guided meditation. You've been sitting now for a little while, so if you'd like to stand for a minute and stretch and refresh yourself, your legs or whatever, um, please do.
There's many ways of talking about meditation practice or Buddhist, the practice of developing the mind in Buddhism. One way is to talk about uh, developing the, the strength of the mind, so the mind becomes stronger in a variety of ways. And, um, but often the development of inner strength um, is most supported by not tightening up or working hard, but rather by relaxing, by developing ease. And so we'll begin here with this meditation with seeing it cultivate some ease and sitting here and being present. So take a um, comfortable and alert posture. Not so comfortable that you're liable to become fall asleep or get complacent. But comfortable enough so that you can feel some ease as you sit here. You're not struggling with your body. And then gently close your eyes. And perhaps it would be helpful to have a little bit more alertness in your spine. Perhaps traveling up your spine from the base to see if you can make maybe very small adjustments so it feels a little bit more energized, alert, but not tense or not held. In the spinal column and some of the muscles along the edges of it are important, it's important for holding us upright, like a column, from which many other of the muscles of our torso can hang. When the spine is balanced, a lot of the other muscles can relax. And so you might take now a few long, slow, deep breaths, filling up your torso as you breathe in. And as you exhale, see if you can soften, relax your shoulders, your chest, your back. And part of taking these deep breaths in the beginning is to begin shifting your attention from your mind and your thoughts to becoming more embodied, to feel your body. To feel your body from the inside. And to begin shifting your attention to the present moment because the bigger intentional breaths that connected to your body remind you that of what's in the present moment. The body's always here. Here and now. And then let your breathing slowly, gently return to normal.
And then spend a few moments scanning through your body for any places of holding or tension that might be easy to either relax or soften around. Sometimes the muscles of the face, jaws, eyes. Sometimes it's possible to soften a little bit around the shoulders, shoulder blades. Maybe as you exhale, there can be a softening there. Perhaps as you exhale, there can be a softening in the middle of the chest, a releasing. Perhaps there can be a softening of the belly. And then within your body, as part of your body, become aware of how your body experiences breathing. How the body experiences the movements of breathing, the sensations connected to breathing. And spend a few moments here familiarizing yourself getting to know a little bit the various ways that the body experiences breathing in and breathing out.
And then as you sit here, see if you can somehow help yourself feel more at ease with whatever is happening. If there's any ways at all that you're feeling uneasy, see if you can ease up or help yourself feel more easy, at ease. Perhaps you can begin with your mind, with your thoughts, your concerns, your attitudes. And not to be fighting or in conflict with yourself. Maybe there's some way you can be at ease with how things are for you. or to ease up a little bit, soften around whatever uneasy thoughts or concerns that might be prevalent. Maybe as you breathe in and out, there can be a kind of a softening or allowing or an easing of your relationship to what's happening in your mind. Some people find it helpful to imagine that they're giving their mind, their thinking mind, their concerns, lots of space, almost like visualizing lots of space wider than the head. So there's an expansive feeling for what's happening as opposed to being tight in may be some very subtle background attitudes that operate for you that are not necessarily so at ease with what's happening. If you can identify these background attitudes, perhaps as you breathe you can ease up on them, soften around them, make space for them so that they're not so claustrophobic.
or you're not so wrapped around them. Be at ease with how things are in your mind. yourself be at ease in your heart with whatever emotions or feelings you might be having. Feeling them in the present moment, acknowledging how you are. And if there's some way you can, ease up on them, be at ease with how things are in your heart. Perhaps imagining that as you breathe in and out, you can create lots of space for how you're feeling. It's okay. If you're feeling uneasy, perhaps it's simply enough to be easy with that, to be at ease with the disease. Also now, see if you can be more at ease in your body. If you need to make small adjustments to your posture, it's okay. Or perhaps you can, there's some way of softening in your body, softening up. You breathe in and out. Perhaps letting there be a gentle relaxing or softening or in any any of the ways that you're held or tight in your body.
And if there's any of the ways that your body stays uneasy, it's not at ease, see if you can be at ease about that. Ease up about it, it's okay. Maybe the uneasy or uncomfortable feelings of your body don't go away, but you can soften up around it. And as you're sitting here, can you find anywhere in your body or anywhere, anywhere within where there might be some feeling of ease or peace or calm or a sense of well-being, even if it's just a hint of it? And then see if you can allow yourself to breathe through that place, to feel it, to appreciate it.
And then as you're sitting here, see if you can have some motivation or wish or thoughts, feelings of wishing yourself well. Very simple, without expectation, but a simple feeling or sense that it would be nice for you to be peaceful or happy. Open-hearted sense of goodwill to this person who's you. That it would be nice for this person to be well. If there's ever been a time in your life that you did wish yourself well or had a sense of well-being and valued it and appreciated it, perhaps that can be a reference for now wishing that this could be a regular part of your life. Is there some way you can have this sense of well-wishing? That there's no expectation or reservations or doubts? Just is very simple. Simple, but in some ways <coughs> In some ways, it just feels good to know that there can be a simple well-wishing for yourself. Simple self-caring. Each person is a very special person for themselves because you're the only person that you can feel and sense from the inside. That you can know really from the inside how it feels like. And being such a special person for yourself that you can really be inside of yourself Can you in some way generate some well-wishing, some self-caring for this person? May this person, may myself that I feel here, 
May there, may there be ease and well-being in how I feel and sense and think about myself. And then for the last minute or so of this sitting, come back to your breathing. Perhaps take a couple of deep breaths and let go of whatever thoughts or you might be thinking. Breathing with your body, being here. So some people find it <clears throat> very difficult to wish themselves well. There's sometimes very strong conditioning and beliefs that operate that it's not okay to do that, that we're not worthy of doing that, that somehow it's selfish. Occasionally, it's too easy to do it. And perhaps it is selfish that self-preoccupation, certain kind of narcissism goes on. But to kind of look a little bit at how it is for oneself. Is there any, do you have any capacity, ability to wish well for yourself, to, be, to want to care for yourself? Or 
is there strong tendencies to not do that, to override yourself or think that you don't count or push yourself away from yourself? I think it's a very important area of exploration. And it, and I believe that there are beautiful ways, appropriate ways of wishing this person, yourself, to be happy, to be peaceful. And simply having that wish is a beautiful thing. And so part of the the practice of loving-kindness of these Brahma-viharas is on this basis that it's possible to have a wish, a desire, in a sense, that is actually nourishing and nurturing to have. I, like, I liken it to, say you're having a rough time, you're sick or having a difficult time in your life, and, um, <clears throat> and maybe you're talking to a friend, and your friend says to you, Oh, this other friend of ours, mutual friend, I was talking to her or him, and she said that she was thinking about you and really wishing you well, concerned about you. And just hearing that someone else was well-wishing, a third party, unbeknownst to you, kind of makes you feel lighter or kind of does something nice to you. Wow, that's kind of nice. Just the fact that they're wishing that. I hope you've had something like that. You can imagine that. So in the same way, can you, the fact that you're going to wish yourself well that way, could that be nice for you? Could it be a nice thing, nice feeling? It doesn't have to be dramatic by any means, but just something that's lightening or nourishing or nice. So to have that access to it, to be aware of that, to have a sense of that, is seen in our Theravadan tradition to be a very useful access point for developing the kinds of love that we're going to look at in this, this year, the practice of loving-kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, and equanimity. So I thought that uh, maybe before we took, take a break, um, that uh, I'd like to have you have a little discussion in groups of three around two things. One is, um, what... Ha- to the degree to which you feel comfortable sharing this, you don't have to share things you're uncomfortable with, but to share a little bit what happened in that meditation, especially at the end when we went to looking for this well-wishing. What did you discover? What happened for you as you did that? And that's the first thing to discuss. And the second thing to discuss is what reference points do you have in your life? What experiences have you had in your past? Or what examples have you had from other people that was meaningful for you of someone who had appropriate sense of self-care, appropriate sense of well-wishing of themselves, or that you had, or sometimes in your own life where it felt like, oh, finally I'm wishing myself well, finally I'm taking care of myself in a nice way, finally I'm kind of being friendly towards myself, in some way that was meaningful for you, or helpful for you, if you've ever had that, or you've seen it in someone else. And if you've never had that reference point in self or others, that's interesting too. And so talk about what that's like a little bit. Is that clear enough? So what I recommend is so you form groups of three and that there's two questions, right? What happened in meditation and then more broadly the reference points in your life for this kind of well-wishing is you do one go around in a circle. Start with one and just go around clockwise uh, around the first thing, what happened in meditation and then go around and do it uh, for the second one 
and spend about uh, maybe uh, just maybe a couple of minutes on each person. Uh, so two minutes, uh, first time around takes about six, seven minutes to go around. The second time, six, seven minutes. And then you'll have a little bit more, when you finish going around, be more open-ended. And uh, or, or op- just kind of talk, just ch- talk more open-endedly, kind of to have a discussion amongst yourselves around all that. And we'll do that for about 20 minutes. And hopefully you'll kind of self-time the, the two minutes each person has somehow. Maybe one of you has a watch or something. Uh, being careful so everyone has equal time. And, um, and then after 20 minutes, we'll regather here. Um, make sense? Understandable? And uh, so why don't you group up in groups of three? And if, uh, if you don't find a group of 